0: Does Jane know you're behind the board? Okay. All right, guys, so today we talk about Day of the Sons, part two. We did this yesterday. We started yesterday, so you'll have to go and listen to yesterday's first part um, if you want to have a background on the second part. So, um, so even though it's Father's Day, the title of the teaching is Day of the Sons. Part two, Day of the Suns, part two. And uh, yesterday we looked at Psalm 45, 16, and 17. Sheldon, I hope you're making notes. Okay. Psalm 45, verse 16 and 17. This is commitment, huh? You you get six months free probation. Psalm 45, verse 16 and 17, it says, Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. So, the reason we are talking about this on Father's Day is because any desire, any father has a desire to see his son perpetuate his name. That is the intent. Every father has a desire to see his name perpetuated by his son. And so every father has a desire that the sons will take the place of their fathers and that they will rule as regents in the land that the father has. And this was the intent that the father had in Genesis where he looked at Adam and said, Adam, you're my son. He used to call Adam the son of God. Luke 3.38 talks about it. And then he says that, "Listen, Adam, you're my son, and I want you to be my regent, as in the one who rules on my behalf. I want to, I want you to perpetuate my name, and that is why I made you after my image and likeness, so that you take on my kind. I trust you. That was the intent. And so, on Father's Day, to speak of the day of the sons is just perfect, because that's what fathers actually desire. And when revival awakens any people." God becomes visibly available as father, God becomes, God becomes visibly available, visibly available as father. That's one of the things that becomes evident in any genuine revival. God becomes visibly available as a father and he becomes visibly visibly available as a father with his heart, with his nature, with his function. With his approach, with his motivation, that becomes most evident. The unfortunate thing is though, that Satan also functions the same way. Jesus called him the father of lies. The unfortunate thing is, that Satan functions the same way. And in Ephesians 2 we see, that he is raising children of disobedience. Who follow the father of lies. So fatherhood is not limited to the kingdom. Everything in the satanic kingdom, everything in the non-Christ kingdom is a counterfeit of what has been started by the Father. There's nothing creative that the devil can do. He has never invented a single thing. He only counterfeits what is good. He takes power and makes it domination. He takes sex and he makes it lust. He takes money and it makes it greed. He takes wisdom and makes it earthly knowledge so he can only distort what God has created And when, he, because he was aware of who God was because he has seen God in real before he gets cast out of heaven the thing is Satan also practices fatherhood only his fatherhood is fathering orphans and keeping them as orphans while God is a father who receives orphans and changes them into sons and daughters so there is this raising of the children of disobedience who follow the father of lies. So when we talk about fatherhood, there are two fathers trying to perpetuate who they are through their sons. Only we have a good father who perpetuates his son through us. And then there is a father of lies who keeps them as orphans who perpetuates his character. So what we are going to talk about today is, okay, so now that God is saying, I want... My sons to take the place of their fathers, what does it look like for you and I? We're not going to look at ourselves as, oh, we are sons. We're going to look at, on Father's Day, what would it be if we began to behave like the Father? On Father's Day, what would it look like if you and I began to behave like fathers? And the term fathers and the term sons, just for our knowledge, is gender-free. It is not limited to male or female. So when I say the word father, don't think, ah shucks, I'm a female. No, when I say the word sons, don't think, ah shucks, I'm not a guy. Um, It's genderless. So if we began to think of, okay, so the Father in heaven, just like he did with Jesus, wants us to step into this place where we become fathers to the world, to people, to our family, to the church family, so that we can convey what we need to. Well then, what does it look like? The first thing is as a father, as a father, your main assignment, as a father, your main assignment is to make you good man. Thanks so much. Is to make fathers out of your sons. That is so cool man. As a father, your main assignment is to make fathers out of your sons. As in, can you make the ones that are in your charge become like him? That is your main assignment. Our assignment is not to recruit more sons. Our assignment is, can I now do what Psalm 45, verse 16 and 17 says, so that you begin to look more like Him? Our main assignment is to make fathers out of sons. Second, as a father, as a father, your children must experience the Heavenly Father. Must experience the Heavenly Father, you can always r- uh, relax between writings, like just chill out. Yeah, no, not that chill out. Yeah, yeah. S- give a foot, they take a yard nowadays. So, as a father, you must experience you. As a father, one of one of your heart's desires: my children must experience a heavenly father. My children must uh, not know or study, but must experience the Heavenly Father. These must be so concrete in your heart guys. The thing is there's nobody here who cannot operate in this role. This must be something you desire because this is what the Father wanted to perpetuate on earth. That is why he says, listen, I want you to be conformed to the stature of my son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 17. I want you to be like that. Why? So that then you can go and do what my son did. Any questions on that? Any, any thoughts as in maybe this isn't uh, really the main thing? It is. Any questions? Are you just flexing your arm not raising your arm, okay? Your children must experience the Heavenly Father as a father. Yeah. It is to make f- fathers out of sons. It's very difficult when you have to start talking to your digital board. <laughs> feels very weird. Any questions, guys? How we can aid that, yeah. One of the ways we aid, okay, um, Evan's question is, how how do we go about it? How do we go about making fathers out of our sons? How do we go about having our children experience the Heavenly Father? Let me first define sons and uh, uh, children. Anyone who is placed in your charge by God is. And it doesn't, it's not age relevant. Anyone. And so, you then have to, yeah, we'll talk about it. Further down, we talk about it. Yeah. Guys, the thing is, as a father, the capacity to birth and nurture is inherently present in you. The capacity to birth and nurture is inherently present in you. Jacob, how can you say that? Guys, we've got to go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. What did he say there? What was his primary intent? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go forth. I want you to multiply. I want you to re. I want you to multiply. I want you to go forth. I want you to replenish the earth, and I want you to subdue. What was his intent for man right off the bat? Listen, I made you like me. I want you to go and fill the earth with more like me's. It is inherent in human beings to multiply after his kind, and then it gets shattered. And another father comes in and he begins to multiply after his kind. And then comes Jesus and he gets it back, redeems it, restores it and says, all right, plan A is still functioning. There is no plan B. Go now and do exactly what I told Adam to do that he messed up. You can start doing it again. What is the first step in doing it? Become like my son because my son is like me. So we have a visible image of the invisible father and we become like him. As we become like him, it is natural, it is inherent in you to begin to help others become what you have now become. It is inherent in you. Hey, you can read all the parenting books you want to and then you have that baby and those books are useless. You can use them when you run out of pampers. That's the only use because your child is like no other child and then you begin to find out that inherent in you is this ability to take care of the child. That you will not sleep, that you will uh, spend crazy money, that you will think crying is music. All kinds of things happen and suddenly you realize that inherent in you is the ability to birth and nurture. And it must be after, the only catch is it must be after His kind. And the world around you will do everything in its power to help the church raise up the children of God after the world's kind. All the education, all the entertainment, everything is geared towards one end. Can the people in the church raise their children not after His kind, but after the world's kind? How do they do it? They do it just like Nebuchadnezzar do it. Name your child a different name. Give your child the dainties that King Nebuchadnezzar set before thousands of young men and only three stood up. The rest of them went for it. It is inherent in you. But this desire must first grow, right? This desire must must first grow. Hey guys, my mom is... 81, Uh, I do my best to father her. That sounds like such a weird statement. But I'll do everything in my power to help her experience the father. I'll do everything in my power to try and interact with her like the father interacts with me and expects me to interact with her. At some point in her life she acknowledged that her son could be someone who could help her and tell her what to do. And immediately the role changed. And Whenever I feel snappish, whenever I feel irritated, whenever I want to shout at her for something she's doing that doesn't fit my fancy, could be right but I still don't like it. I'll have to go back into this place that, Jacob, yes you are a son but you need to know how to spiritually father even your mother. We don't realize how much God desires this for us and through us into other people's lives. Any questions? True. And so we've got to... Get this going so that three generations from now, another Diana will not say this. Sorry? Yeah, so Diana is saying not everybody gets to experience spiritual fathers. And so what do we do? I'm saying in three generations, say about 100 years from now, I hope it will be more commonplace. We are still trying to see if Martin Luther's reformation 500 years ago, is working properly or not, and we still haven't gotten there. We, st- we still are struggling with the just shall live by faith. But a hundred years from now, what if there's a sufficient groundswell? How do you father somebody who has more? Because the authority part can come if it comes and when it comes. It is a heart that I'm trying to convey so that they can experience the Heavenly Father. It is a heart that I must convey. My mom has more authority over me because she is my mom. She has a right to bless me or curse me. Thank God she only blesses me. But uh, can I convey what the Father wants to her? Absolutely. When she's at my place, then the authority structures shift. But when I'm at her place, she is in authority over me. There are certain things that she always will have over me because I'm her son. So unfortunately, because either uh, we um, got it wrong, taught it wrong, behaved wrong, abused it, we think of um, being fathers in terms of authority, and God thinks of it as... Can you convey the attributes of my life? Can you convey what we you guys talked about on Saturday? The authority part is the easy part. Hey Mark, take your mask off. Hey Mark, put your mask on. That's the authority part. It's the other part that is difficult. That is why the authority part is the easiest to choose. As a father, you must see the value in an individual's destiny, and you must also see God's corporate purpose. As a father, you must see the value of a person's individual destiny. As in, okay, so what is it, O oh God, that you have for Rachel? What do you, O oh God, have for Leah? And that's one part of it in an individual destiny, and then. You take the entire family and say, what is their common purpose? Because these individual destinies fit into the larger common purpose. And it's the same way in the church. Suddenly, everyone has a full-time job. Ah, oh, Jacob, this is only for certain people, not for me. It is for anyone who belongs to the Father. Because this is what the Father is about. The Father is continuously thinking like this. As a father, discipling and discipline is critical and it has fathering written into the DNA. As a father, and this was in a, this is a tough one, eh? Because uh, this is when we decide. Nah, no, this is not for me. Discipling and discipline is part of the is is part of the fathering DNA. It's part of the fathering DNA. Jesus uh, talks about it in Hebrews chapter twelve. Uh, And uh, this is so critical. If you leave this out, you will raise children who cannot be fruitful. Leave this out and you will raise children, yes, they will grow up, but they will not be fruitful. There is no fruitfulness in life without instruction, correction, discipline. And it's that the progression is instruction, correction, discipline. Some children, you instruct them, they learn. Some children don't learn through instruction, so you go from instruction to correction. And some children don't learn through correction, then you go from instruction to correction to discipline. And God follows that pathway, He invented it. What does He do first with Cain? He knows where Cain is heading. What does He go and tell Cain? Hey Cain, be careful. Sin crouches at your door and is wanting to master you. Instruction, correction, discipline. And why? Why? For two reasons. One, so that I be fruitful. So fathers that avoid discipling and discipline through instruction, correction, and discipline are fathers who will have sons that are grown up, but you are doing them a disservice because they will never be fruitful. I don't know anything about gardening, but I believe if you don't prune, they don't prune. Uh, They don't produce prunes. Yeah. What does a prune look like? No, don't point towards me. (laughs) Oh, a plum is a prune. A dry plum is a prune. My God, I'm learning things today. The strange thing is, all these things I mentioned. Jesus walked this relationship with his father, and he walked out of and he worked out this relationship with his disciples. Jesus walked this relationship with his father. We think Jesus didn't have any discipling, disciplining, instruction. Of course he did. Hebrews 5 talks about it. That he learned obedience through suffering. He had to be instructed. He wasn't a kid he knew, who knew everything, downloaded it. He wasn't a robot. He wasn't like this digital board. He learned things. So... Jesus walked in this relationship with his Father and then worked out this relationship with disciples. As must you. We learn from the Father. We then work it out with the people that we are placed with. What a cool thing, man. Everyone here has a full-time job. And once you take on this full-time job, you won't want too much because it's a Ask any parent here and they'll tell you how painful and long it is. They don't leave your home till they are... I left home when I was 28. Pardon? Yeah. Yeah. But the intent is that the sons begin to perpetuate... Who the father is. Here's a cool thing about uh, pastoring versus fathering. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about us thinking of, oh, uh, my job is to pastor others or to shepherd others. Guys, fathering only produces remnants. Pastoring can produce large churches. Fathering produces remnants. As in, the strange thing with God is, God always starts with a small group of quality disciples or lacking quality but he starts with a small group. Remnants represent what God wants everybody to be. Remnants represent what God wants everybody to be. Remnants represent what God wants everybody to be. God puts something into remnants and then he wants to release it to everyone at some stage when the remnant has modeled it properly. Now that he has a prototype, he'll say, aha, now we can go. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. Listen, I'll start with you. I'll walk with you. I'll teach you. I'll come every evening. You will spend time with me. I'll tell you things. And that began the process. Then he goes to Jacob and his family, 12. He says, I want to start a nation through you. And the 12 become 70, and the 70 become a million. He always starts with a remnant. Fathering produces remnant. Because you can only handle so many at a time, guys. This is why a church that is dependent on one person will collapse. This is why it is critical that fathers perpetuate themselves in their sons who now step into the place of their fathers and it begins to spread. This is why... What may have been my initial responsibility is no longer my responsibility. It is yours, and you now perpetuate it. God wants everybody, but he never starts with everybody. I'm telling you stuff that's in the Bible. God wants everybody, but he never starts with everybody. He starts with a remnant. He started with the 12. Look what's happened, man. God wants everybody, but He never starts with everybody. And so, if you isolate yourself, you miss out on what the Father does. One of the things the Father enjoys doing is He enjoys increasing your capacity. He increases my capacity. He increases your capacity. So when you start behaving like the father with others, you must aim not at giving them what you have, but you must aim at increasing their capacity because they are going to have to handle much more than you are handling. So the way I would put it is, as a father, you must increase the capacity to handle inheritance. You must increase a person's capacity to handle their inheritance. Just imagine if Elijah hadn't done that for Elisha. All these noises are coming from the digital board We need to fix that transformer in the back. Someone who doesn't know any of this will suddenly believe it because they actually see these fingers. They put those fingers down. People will think you're real. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Sheldon. I owe you one after this. <laughs> this is actually fun. Uh, by the way, if anyone wants to volunteer for next Sunday, just let me know. Eh? Any takers? No, Sheldon, you, I think they like you. <laughs> Is this a self-erasing thingy? No. Okay, no I'm sorry. It, we shouldn't get carried away with this. There's more important things happening up front. Okay. As a father, you must increase a person's capacity for inheritance. What if Elijah hadn't trained Elisha well? How do you have handled twice of everything? He asked for a double portion. Elijah was doubtful whether the guy could handle it. He says, it's not mine to give. If God thinks so, he'll give it to you. And the only way you'll know that God thinks so is if you see me being taken away. He had prepared that guy. Out of the 52 prophets that followed Elijah that day, from Jericho to Gilgal to Bethel to the Jordan, there was only one man who kept following, kept following, kept following, because in him was a capacity to now receive everything that Elijah had. Only he went and asked not for what Elijah had. He said, I want twice what you have. And Elijah is doubtful whether the guy has it. What if you and I began to run in a way where... The intent is, I will increase your capacity so that when your turn comes, you will be ready to handle your inheritance. Because your inheritance will not be what I have. It will be what I have plus whatever God gives you. And sometimes the only way to increase capacity is to stretch people and put them in danger. Not real danger, what they think is danger. I remember the first time my dad allowed me to step out of the train onto the platform and brush my teeth with him, because in India, you can do that. It's a long story, but basically what you can do is you can step out of the platform and you can start brushing your teeth while the train is parked at the platform. And then uh, my mom was really scared of what will happen next, because my dad's intent was when this train starts moving, I'll help you jump into the train, and it'll be like this rite of uh, passage. And so I'm all tensed. I've brushed my tooth, I've put the toothbrush uh, in my pocket and I'm waiting. Because this is the moment when you become a man. And then finally you hear the go, because there were steam engines those days. You don't know what that is. Whoo! And so that was him again. So then what happens is uh, the train starts moving, and my dad had, and I'm like, adrenaline rushing through me, because eh? if you don't get in, then the train is gone, and then you start singing, if you miss the train I'm on, you will know that I am gone. No, so, <laughs> so there's this tension building up, and suddenly my dad will come and say, okay, in now, 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 and then you would, the train would be moving, and you would grab both the things, and you would step into it, and you would feel like you were a man. All the danger, all the tension was in here but in my dad's eyes it was no son, don't worry, I got your back. And he would make sure that as I stepped in he was right there. There was no way I could fall. And my mom would be screaming saying, what's wrong with you? Can't he brush his teeth inside the train? And then spit out of the window. Thank God my mom doesn't follow me on live stream. So. You can only stretch a person's capacity for inheritance by putting them in a place where they're actually stretched. And that is another part of fathering that most people will not attempt because the reaction or the response back is not pleasant. And if it's not pleasant, try it again later. Any questions? Because if I don't, and if you don't, Increase a person's capacity for inheritance. You will only know how to, They will only know how to handle what you handle now. But the years ahead are far greater. It will break them. Guys, it broke Solomon. It broke Solomon. David gave him everything. He prepared the nuts and the bolts and the timber. And he got everything ready for the building of the temple. But what he forgot was to build his son. His son got everything that David had. He had the ability to handle what the father gave him. He did not have the ability to handle what was awaiting him later after his father had died. And it broke that man because he could not handle his inheritance. Jesus prepared inheritors. Jesus prepared inheritors. We call them disciples. We call them apostles. Jesus prepared inheritors who could invest what he gave them and then produce such a momentum after he left that a greater harvest happened. Jesus prepared inheritors. This is why you hear stuff like Master, but we have only two fish and f- uh, two loaves and five fish. What do we do? Yeah. I don't know. You feed them. 5,000 people. You feed them. Different situations he puts them in. I want you to go, and when you go there, uh, there'll be a donkey tied outside a man's house, and if the man comes and asks you why you taking the donkey, just tell him that, uh, am I going out of the range? Okay. Just tell him that uh, the master has need for them, and he sends them off. Then he decides, okay, let's send you out two by two to preach, to heal, to uh, cleanse lepers, to uh, raise the dead, to heal the sick. Go. He doesn't go with them. But they come back and they come back rejoicing, saying demons left when we spoke. You can't imagine the joy that Jesus would have felt because the same joy that the father had over Jesus when he said, this is my son who is precious in my sight, beloved in my sight, listen to him. The same Jesus is now saying, heaven was rejoicing and Satan fell like lightning, but do not be caught up that you cast out demons, but your names are written in the book of life. And he's thrilled at his disciples, knowing that one of them will betray him and that all of them will run away. But he's He is thrilled. Because he formed inheritors. The process of formation may be scary, but the intent is can I create inheritance? Because I'm gonna leave soon. And when I leave soon, I'm to, I'm speaking about Jesus now, not me, Because huh? <laughs> Derek and Don may come back saying, Okay, wanna be the next pastor. So Derek, Don, stay there. Okay. <laughs> the distinct uh, the, the thing is Jesus prepared inheritors who could invest what he gave them to produce a momentum that would end up in a greater harvest. So much so that Jesus goes as far as to say in John 14, 12 that, listen, you guys need to know that you will do greater works than I have done because I'm going to the Father. Sorry? Jesus prepared inheritors who could invest what he gave them to produce a momentum that would end up in a greater harvest Jesus prepared inheritors who could invest what he gave them to produce a momentum that would result in a greater harvest than he himself accomplished we are talking about the Son of God. Nuts, eh? and as when you work as fathers know that each of you will have different um, traits that nobody else can give to someone in your charge than you. Some of you will be wealth creators. Anything you touch turns to gold. The ones that God places in your lives will inherit that and more. Some of you will know how to war spiritually. Why? Because the one that you were raised under knows how to war spiritually. Some of you will have the ability to plumb the wisdom of God. And so you end up, being some of the wisest people who live on earth. Like the tribes of Jacob, you find that each tribe has a trait and that trait is strongly expressed in the clan for the rest of eternity. Judah, praise, forefront, warrior. Benjamin, ravenous wolf. Naphtali, brimming with wealth, Joseph, fruitful bow that spreads over fences and walls. When Jesus said, you will do greater works than this, it was not Jesus saying, okay, so I'm gone now, you can continue. No, he was saying... You'll do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father who is greater than me and I'll continue to do these works through you, but I put enough on you to cause this momentum to really bring in a great harvest. Guys, if we do this, in a couple of generations, we can actually affect nations. And it, it sounds like such a hollow uh, claim, Jacob. You can just say it because you won't be here in a couple of generations you'll probably be dead in the next 50 years. Um, The thing is, you've got to look into Feb 2005-2006. Who would have ever thought that this motley crew would be where we are today? Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought that we'd have an influence in nations? Not me! Even though I dreamt of it, never thought it would be possible. Which is why I read out Philippians 1, 3 to 6. I thank God every day for each of you. I don't thank God every day for each of you. That's Paul's words. What I mean is I'm super thankful. Yeah. Because this itself is Impossible. Let's look at John fourteen. Um, look at a few verses, and then we'll end John fourteen. Sh- Sheldon, you're doing okay. Y- you want a rep- uh, you want a replacement? You're okay, huh? Okay. John fourteen, verse eight. Philip said, "Master, I'm reading uh, from the message at times." Philip said, Master, show us the Father, then we'll be content. So here's my question to you guys. What if someone said to you, what if someone came in and said to you, hey, Diana, show me the Father and I'll be content. What if someone said to you, Manoj, show me the Father and I'll be content. What would your reply be? I just hope that one day we'll be able to reply like this. I can't reply like this, but I, would, I long for it. I was reading it and I was thinking to myself, my God, Father, please, 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 one day, not in the distant future when my feet are in the grave or before, while I'm going up. It's it like, can I do it in the next little while? Where if someone comes and says to me, uh, hey, Jacob, uh, show us the Father and then we'll be content. And my reply would be, believe me, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me this is not a pipe dream. I really want this to happen for us. Believe me, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. That's not borrowing a Jesus statement. That is the truth. If you read John 17 verse 21, if you read Colossians 1:27, it says the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. It already says that. I'm not, I'm not plagiarizing a Jesus uh, phrase. I'm telling you what is actually true. Colossians 1.27, the hope of glory Christ in me, and John 17.21, Father, just as I am in you and you are in me, can they also be in me so that they are in you? This is the true statement. What if one day this idea of perpetuating the Father and reflecting Him through us gets to a point where we can say that, believe me, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then Philip asks a question and Jesus goes further. What if you could say this? Just imagine this. This is mind-blowing. Would you be able to say, to see me is to see the Father? If you really knew me, you would know the Father as well. To see me is to see the Father. If you really knew me, you would know the Father as well. Preposterous to even think of this, but absolutely possible. Any questions, any comments, any The problem with masks is I don't know whether uh, you're disbelieving, incredulous, happy, believing. If we should have these kind of messages out there, so you don't have to wear masks. Any questions? Would I be able to say, to see me is to see the Father? If, really, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. So how can you ask, where is the Father? What a ridiculous statement to make as humans. But what if there are areas in your life where you can do this? John 12, 44, 45. John 12, 44, 45. Then Jesus cried out, When a man man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. My God man! When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. When a man believes in me, he does not just believe in me, but he believes in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he does not just see me, he sees the one who sent me. Come on, man! Please don't uh, put this in the uh, please don't uh, 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 this disease called futurism postpones every statement like this into the future saying one day. No! Today is the day of the suns. Not one day. You're okay, Sheldon? Do you want to take a break? Okay. Not one day. I want this, I want this, not just for me, because it's pointless when one person does it, when a people do it. There was something about the early church which had all kinds of problems, all kinds of sins, but there was something about them that was distinctive in that two things happened to them. One, people joined them by the thousands. Two, people persecuted them. There was something distinctive about them. It was that they were different from the normal. Jesus was evident. One more statement and we can close. John 14, verse 10. Am I good on batteries? John 14, 10. first part was about character now we move to verse 10 and uh, verse 10 says don't you believe that I'm in the father and that the father is in me the words I say to you are not just my own rather it's the father living in me who is doing this work believe me when I say that I'm in the father and the father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of these miracles themselves so here's the other catch now if we say that this is the one we are perpetrating the father then here's what is being said surely you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me. And this is true. First Corinthians 6.17 says, we become one with the Spirit of God. Romans 8.15 and 16 says, He has given us His Spirit that allows us to cry out, Father, and that the Father lives in us and we have become one with Him. So here's the question then. Can people believe that the Father is in me and I in the Father because they see the works that I do? And the answer is, at present, no. What works are we talking about? We're not talking about soup and sandwich. We're talking about science, miracles, and wonders. And so the question is, so this is the statement I'm making. If people can't believe that the Father and you are one, can they believe what they see? Can they believe by the works you do? Go to John chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. I'm just showing us where we horribly fall short right now. John chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. Look at the statement Jesus is making. It's like, a, it's like almost a provocative, challenging statement. Do not believe me unless I do what my father does. Do not believe me, he's saying. Do not believe me unless I do what my Father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Guys, one of the evidences of the Father in you and you in the Father is that there should be works and we don't have it. But we can't do nothing about it except begin to take a couple of steps that Jesus mentions here so that he can begin this process. But he literally says, you don't need to believe in me if I don't do any works. Any questions? Any thoughts? Jesus has gone to the Father. He has given me the same work to do that he has been doing. Let me say that slowly. Just pay attention another five minutes. We should be done. Jesus has gone to the Father. He has given me the work that he was doing to finish. Please understand that. That he has given us the work that he could have finished. He could have finished everything in three and a half years, but he decided not to. He has left work for us to do. This is your main work. Jesus has gone to the Father. He has given me the same work to do that he had been doing. And in chapter 14, verse 12, he tells me the two things that I require to be able to do the same things. Chapter 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. I know this sounds terribly simple, but what can we do? Jesus is simple. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. I'm not taking anything out of context. It's one of the few messages I'm actually staying in context. (laughs) I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I'm doing. Or he's saying, listen, you can have the assurance, Jacob, that if you trust in me, I will not only do what that you will end up doing, not only what uh, Jesus was doing, you will do even greater things. Because keep reading. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So that's the first point. If you trust him, you can do the same things. And he says, don't tell people to believe you if you can't do the works the Father is doing. These are not categorical blanket statements. Because he says, believe my words. And then he says, if they don't believe your words, tell them to believe my works. If you don't do the works my Father does, then don't ask them to believe you. So what else do we need to do? Second thing he says is, that listen, um, ask anything in my name. Look at verse 13. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So how does that work? That's the last point. You are invited to come to the Father in the name of Jesus with the promise of enjoying the same access to God that Jesus enjoys. Let me say that again. I have an invitation, a standing invitation for the rest of eternity to come to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ with the promise of enjoying the same access that Jesus presently has with God. This is so ridiculous that it's hard to believe. Let me say that one last time. You are, I am invited and I have a standing invitation to come to the Father in the name of Jesus with the promise of enjoying the same access that Jesus presently has with the Father. And then he goes on to say that, listen, ask anything in my name. And so let me me just write this down, what it means when he says, ask anything in my name. Ask as if, Ask as if I were asking. As in Jesus is saying, ask as as if I were asking. And the second statement he's trying to make in that statement is, ask what I would ask. Two things. Ask as if I were asking. And Jesus never asked anything without faith or trust in his Father. And ask as if I would ask. This is why... Saturday's teaching, yesterday night's teaching is so critical. If you can understand those characteristics of God, it will be very hard to ask amiss. Ask as if I were asking, Jesus is saying, hey Jacob, ask as if I were asking, ask what I would ask. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, whatever you ask, along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing. Who I am and what I'm doing. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. These are the three things that are difficult to fathom. But these are the three things we're going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out so that we can be what God wants us to be. We can show them the Father. Any questions? Let me sum that up. To ask in... D- that clock is wrong, right? It's showing 8 o'clock. What a comfort it was all this time. Um, John fourteen thirteen, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory f- to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. The Greek says the same thing. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What is he saying? Hey, Jacob, ask as if I were asking. Jacob, ask what I would ask. Jacob, ask based on who I am. Jacob, ask what I am doing. And if you do this, and if you ask with faith, I guarantee you, I will do whatever you ask. Then you can say to people, Ah, you don't believe my words. Believe my works. Jesus did this with the Pharisees when they crowded around the man who he forgave. He said, Oh, so you think that the Son of Man does not have the right to forgive sins? I do. But just so you know that this is just not talk, I say to you, pick up your bed and walk. And he walked. Words. They didn't believe it. Works, what could they do? Once you show people works, there's only three options. Believe, stone you, or walk away. Those are the only three options. Any questions? Because I'm done. Any questions, guys? Please ask questions. This sounds terribly simple, but what can you do? Got to press in, eh? And suddenly it will break forth, guys. Suddenly it will break forth. Suddenly it will break forth. These are precious things. Once they start happening, if you don't have the character of God, if you don't have the ability to inherit this, it'll ruin this church, destroy this church. So don't think that He's not at work. He is at work, changing our character, making us absolutely. Unbothered about how we look, how people perceive. He's just bringing us to a place where when this begins to break, it will not affect your head. It'll not go to my head. Any questions? It's 3.46. One of the things I uh, do is sometimes I go to the book of John and I take what Jesus is saying about the Father. Hey, can I have a little more volume? I take what I'm doing with the Father, what Jesus is saying to the Father, and then I write it in my own words as if I was saying it to the Father. That really helps because it puts you in a place Where Jesus, the perfect Son, was, and it puts you in a connection in relationship with the Father. So I'm just reading an excerpt and then we'll put some of it on the board and just commit to the Father with regard to this. So this was something I'd written Father, shine a light on your splendor in me. Father, shine a light on your glory or your splendor in me. As in, each of us has a glory that God has now given us as born again believers. Shine your light on the splendor, on your splendor in me. I will spell out your character in detail to the men and women that you give me. These are things that Jesus said uh, in John. Uh, part of it from the NIV, part of it from the message. I will spell out your character in detail to the men and women that you give me. Any of us can adopt this and put it for ourselves. Eh? I'm just Next one. Lord, put my life on display for them. Everything I give them must be first-hand from You. Empower me by Your Spirit to teach them Your Word. I want to glorify You on earth by completing down to the last detail what You assigned me to do. I joyfully come to consecrate myself for the mission You have given me and for those that You have placed in my care. Everything mine is yours. And everything yours, or oh God, is mine. It's a very hard sentence, eh? It's not easy. Everything mine is yours and everything yours is mine. Not easy. Father, you are in me and I in you. You love me the same way you love your son. As I mature... You will give the godless world evidence of your presence and oneness in me. You knew me and loved me long before I was formed. Righteous Father, the world hasn't known you, but I have known you. I so want to make your very being known to them, who you are and how you do, so that your life and love towards me might become something they experience. All this is from John 17. Everything I do and say must be a unique father-son operation, coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows me the way you do, Father, and I want to know your, you, Father, the way Jesus does. And I will not keep it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen, walk, work, and learn. Matthew 11:26. I can't independently do a thing. I can only do what I see you doing, Father. What you do, I will do also. Father, you love me, your son. And you include me in everything you are doing around me. And I haven't seen the half of it yet. I align myself with you, Father, and the voice of your son. I can't do a solitary thing on my own. I listen, then I decide. I can trust my decision if, if I'm not out to get my own way, but only to carry out your orders. I won't and I don't want to speak words on my own authority and make them up. Rather, it will be you, Father, who will craft each word so that it may become an act or an event or work that reveals your presence. Then they will see the works, believe the words, and see the doer, you. They will recognize that you are in me and I am in you. Unless I am dead to the world, I will not be anything but a grain of wheat. But if I am dead and buried to the world, I will sprout and reproduce your life many times over. I must let go of my life, recklessly abandoning myself into your love. Oh, how I want to participate in your life, Father, here on earth, while turning my back on the world. These are all Jesus' words that you now make yours. We don't want to. We must become like him. Period. So look at this. These verses on the board and let's in our own way, dedicate ourselves to this. It's only on one side. Hey, uh, Sheldon, you can... Thanks, man. It's a big deal. Your hands are okay. We'll reward you in heaven. Okay. Okay, so guys, this is what I want us to find an ability to commit to. Father, you are in me and I in you. You knew me and loved me before I was formed. Righteous Father, the world hasn't known you, but I've known you. I so want to make your very being known to them, who you are and how you do, so that your life and love towards me might become something they experience. Everything I do and say must be a unique father-son operation, coming out of father-son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows me the way you do, Father, and I want to know you, Father, the way Jesus does and I will not keep it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen, walk, work, and learn. Can you just go over that for a couple of minutes? And then we'll end. Even pondering on this for a week would change you. Just the first line is so hard to wrap my head around or my heart around. Just pick two sentences out of this for now. Just two. It's too much. Just two. or even half sentences, because some of the blooming sentences are so long, meaning the way I put them. Okay, I pick my two, you pick your two. Come up. Sheldon, can you sit on the piano if your hands are okay? Emily, come up. proful, if you can pull up. Good, good father. Did you pick out two sentences? Here were my two sentences. Father, you are in me and I am in you. Because I find that just mind-defying. And then the second one was, everything I do must come out of a unique father-son operation. Those are the two things that I'll hold on to for the rest of this week and use it as part of my devotion every morning. These are two things I'll go over. Because I want change, man. I want to be like Him. Everybody will benefit if we be like Him. Everybody around us in our dealings with people, our approach, our functioning, everything changes. Eh? So before we leave, uh, what's his name? We'll put it back. Uh, we can't call him Praful anymore. We call him Boss. So um, Boss will put it back on the screen um, before you leave. So even as you're leaving, you can see it. So let's sing this song and l- let everything we've done, heard, learnt, and his very presence in our midst cause us to give him Worship though we can't sing out loud. Yeah, another week of this and then we can start singing. Go ahead, Emily. A thousand stories
1: what they think your
0: you guys Never let's alone. let's let's start again uh this is not the closing song this is this is something we're singing to the father right eh? this is a problem with this last song it's like oh finally and then we can go home and we hope he doesn't sing it twice so let's start again just go over it one more time
1: Thousand stories of what they
0: But we know think better guys we know life, better
1: But I've heard the tender whisper of love Everyone here has heard this the dead of night and He's pleased with you He likes you you that I am never alone Speak it as loud as you can You're a good good, good father it's are. it's who you are it's who you are and I am loved, by, by, you. loved by you just like you love your son Jesus it's Steven. who I am it's who I am it's who I am I've seen many searching for answers far and wide but I What we need thank, you, before thank you, thank you, thank you. Say your word, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. You're a good father. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Who I am. You are perfect in all. Your ways. Hallelujah. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us, you are perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect. Undeniable. Love so undeniable I can hardly speak. Be so unexplainable. I can hardly think as you call me. Deeper hallelujah. Still hallelujah. hallelujah. It's God. good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are I am loved by you it's who I am so come up and close the I am it's who I am
2: Father, you are good, good Father. You have always been that way, Lord. Now let others see you in us. Mm, You in us, and we in you. May others, may the world see this. And help us to be you. And make sons and daughters, oh God, sons for you. So that we prepare to have your inheritance, oh God.
0: Mm.
2: And train them, too, to have the inheritance from you. Wisdom, Mm. power, love, Mm. faith, everything that you have Mm. is now ours. Yes. Isn't that amazing? God, now help us to live this. Help us to live this. Help us to live this, Lord.
0: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sue.